Yo, what's going on, everyone? I'm Tommy, and that is Gary. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? We have a jam-packed podcast for you guys today as we're going to be giving you guys a look at our own NBA mock draft ahead of Thursday night's draft. Uh, we'll follow it up with some Week 10 NFL football. Let's just go ahead and hop right into it. We have our NBA mock draft lottery. Uh, number one, Minnesota Timberwolves. I think this is an obvious pick uh, to most, especially me, but I got to go with my guy, LaMelo Ball. Uh, six, seven point guard, Australia, uh, Lithuania, don't matter. He's played everywhere, but he's got to be going number one for me. Yeah, I know you've been watching him since uh, probably his freshman year of high school, so you probably have a, have a really good idea of his talent and what he bring forward to the NBA. One part I am a little interested in is uh, how he's going to fit with D'Angelo Russell if Minnesota does draft him, uh, you know, to – two ball-dominant guards. How do you think that's going to work out? Yeah, so I was kind of worried about this as well, thinking about it. But then I thought back to his time with Spire, uh, with guard Rocket Watts, uh, also a ball-dominant guy, a guy that could shoot the three-ball, lights-out shooter, athletic, kind of similar to a D-Lo, but obviously at a high level. Um, and they fit perfectly. They gelled nicely. I think you surround LaMelo with talent, and he makes other people better as long as uh, you know they're willing to kind of give him the rock and, and say, let's do this. Any chance that Minnesota shops this pick out, or do you think staying at number one for sure? Yeah, so I mean, Lamelo isn't the most perfect fit for Minnesota, so I think if there is an option for them to trade down and get somebody that they're really interested in, uh, I think they do so. I could see them kind of maybe looking to trade for a big name guy since they did just get the duo of D. Lowe and Carl uh, Anthony. So I, I could definitely be moving it, but I think at number one, you really need to just grab Lamelo up. That's fair. Speaking about another team who might be trading their pick, Golden State Warriors do have the two pick. Uh, obviously, they're they're still in a win now mentality with Curry. Uh, obviously, Clay Thompson coming back. My thought is, if they do decide to keep the pick, one position they're really lacking is center. So I think James Wiseman from Memphis. Obviously, he didn't play on last season, but I still think if they do keep the pick, this has got to be their best. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think James Wiseman is the best player uh, coming out of college here. You know, 7-1 center, very versatile, the ball, great rim protector. I mean, he's, he's kind of a no-brainer at two, especially for this Warriors team that's definitely lacking at the center and has uh, for this whole time that they've been as great as they have been. I do think they look to, to kind of trade it, but I don't think they should force a trade. I think they should only let them come. Trades come to them. It's something crazy like a Giannis or, you know, someone that could really fit their play style. Uh, I think that's when they look to shop it, but – Wiseman's definitely a great fit with the Warriors, and if they're picking two, it's got to be James Wiseman. I like the take. I like the take for sure. Yes, three. Let's go ahead and look at the Charlotte Hornets. I'm taking the obvious Anthony Edwards, six-five shooting guard out of Georgia. You know, a lot of ex- consider uh, Edwards is the top prospect in the draft. I just said a lot of people like Wiseman, but but this Edwards dude is an absolute bucket, very explosive, and I honestly think with the mentorship of MJ there, I think it could do for him uh, in his development. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Not win uh, player of the year last season at Georgia. Uh, I don't know if he won player of the year in Georgia, but he definitely had a lot of people thinking he was going to go number one. Obviously, Lamelo has has risen in the draft. Obviously, a lot of people were skeptical uh, before his time in Australia, but no, he he's definitely one of these guys that can come in and instantly make an impact. What's your thoughts on on the combination with him and Devontae Graham in Charlotte? Yeah, I think that after you know Devontae Graham had such an amazing break season. You also got a guy like Terry Rozier over there. I totally forgot they had signed him. He also played very great this year. I think them at that guard, that three, that three-man guard right there. I, I think really solid trio of guards, and I really think that you know they can play pretty well together. I like it. I like it. move on to number four, the Chicago Bulls. I got him taking Denny, the uh, six-eight-six-nine small forward from Israel. 
last year he did play in Israel. Obviously, some people might not be too familiar with him. Obviously, with uh, coming out of, of Europe, um, the eyes have been on Europe for finding the next great prospects. Some guys have panned out well, like Luca we mentioned. Other guys have kind of flopped, but I do like the pick here for uh, – the bowls. Yeah, I mean, it, this is definitely the Luca effect because you know he has some similar attributes to Luca. He's a big, he's a big guy, but plays like a guard, really smooth, has great vision, uh, can pass the ball, can run really well in transition. Uh, obviously, this is the Luca effect. Like I, like I mentioned, I think that with this new GM in Chicago, I think they're going to be looking at a home run here, and I think Denny's probably their best chance at four. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do draft Denny. They're going to be tall with him and marking in so it'll be interesting to see how well those uh tall guys come out and play yeah you can't forget Wendell Carter Jr. either they're definitely stacked they're, the Bulls got a great team a lot of young talent so I'm hoping that this new GM and new head coach Billy Donovan can really put it together for the Bulls moving forward yeah definitely like to see the Bulls playing better basketball so at number five we got the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Onyeka Okongo uh 6'9 power four centered from USC I watched him play uh at least three years at uh Chino Hills you know, there's points. He played with the Ball Brothers. He was on that undefeated team with Lonzo as a senior. Um, you know, I, there was points where he was the best player on the floor. Even as a freshman, he classes Lamelo, obviously. And, and there was times where he was out there just doing things that I hadn't seen before at the high school level. Uh, he's drawn a lot of BAM comparisons here in the draft. Um, you know, I think he's a perfect fit to the new NBA. Uh, and I, I think this is a no-brainer for the Cavs here at five. Are you a little nervous? Obviously, with him being at June Hills, there was a lot of hype, and he did kind of underperform at USC. Are you at all nervous about how he played in college? No, I think he played He played fairly well in college. He, he really proved himself, even though he's a little undersized. He plays a major defense, probably the best rim protector in the draft, even at an undersized 6'9 position. He's extremely skillful. You know, I, if this wasn't a LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and, I, you know, I, I think there's talk for him being the better pick over Wiseman, uh, to be honest, but – he definitely fits this new style. So play like a bam, you know, guard the likes of a Giannis. So I don't know. I really like him at five. I could even see him going earlier, but I think he's going to fit perfect at five with Kevin Love and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I like it. Why don't we move on to sixth Atlanta Hawks. This is another interesting one. Uh, I, I'm not sure they're going to, they're going to keep this pick, but if they do, I like uh, OB Toppin, six, nine power forward, a small forward from Dayton. Um, obviously Atlanta's got a lot of young guys, maybe the best young, or in the NBA, I could potentially see them shopping this pick and, and getting a, a guy who's, who's NBA ready, ready to play now, give Atlanta some push. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do draft night. Yeah, I mean, like you alluded to, the Hawks definitely have probably the best young team as far as talent goes and, and a lot of prospects. DeAndre Hunter, Trey, John Collins. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, so this pick right here would just be adding on top of that. I definitely see them looking to shop it. Obi Toppin, I think this is what you might have been confused with. He was actually the uh, the college player of the year. Oh, that's correct. Thank you. He's he's a guy kind of like Buddy Heald, played a lot a lot in college, and obviously that's kind of why he's dropping to the sixth spot because, you know, he does it all, maybe a little lacking on the defense end, but he can risk for the ball great in transition. If the Hawks do decide to keep this pick or even trade it, I think it's got to be Obi Toppin at six. At pick number seven, we have the Detroit Pistons. You know, there's rumors that the Pistons uh, have already promised Patrick Williams, who was actually probably the hottest player in the draft, rising on everybody's draft board. I I think he's great. I've watched a lot of film, or not a lot, but I've watched a good amount of film. He, he's definitely a dunker, uh, athletic, quick, can probably play well on the defensive end. But, you know, I really see a guy like Tyrese Halliburton here at seven, uh, point guard, basically does everything that a guard needs to do, shoot, pass, dribble. I, I think the Detroit really black here at the point guard spot and i think this would be a perfect fit for them at seven yeah uh, i know it's kind of interesting with them promising patrick williams but i, I 
surgery. Uh, I, I love my boy Diros, 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 but obviously he's getting up at eight. Uh, so I would like to see Detroit pick a point guard with their number seven pick. Why don't we move on to the most interesting franchise? You really never know what the hell they're going to do. Knicks with the eighth pick. Uh, Tom, they're they're just so so crazy, and you never know what they're going to do. I'm going to ask you. You might have an idea. What do you think the Knicks might be doing with this eighth pick? I mean, like you said, we never know with the Knicks. Uh, obviously, they got pretty unlucky dropping all the way to eight here. I know a lot of Lamelo Ball fans and, and Lavar himself who wanted the the Knicks to get the first pick so they could take Lamelo. And I don't think this is the only chance was uh, moving up to one. I, I think they look to trade up to the one pick and get Lamelo. Uh, as far as what they can package to get that, I mean, they do have the eighth pick. They also have the 27th pick, one of the only other teams, second first round pick. But then it's like, who else are they going to package in a deal like that? You got Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox. You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure if that package gets it done with Minnesota. So I think they definitely need to look at uh, another guard spot to pair with RJ. And I think someone to look at is Killian Hayes, uh, 6'5 point guard out of France. Uh, really great step back, can handle the ball. And I think he's a perfect pair with RJ. What's your thoughts on on if Detroit does decide to go with Williams, that uh, Tyrese, what do you think would be a better fit, Killian Hayes or our Tyrese for the Knicks if they do stay at eight? Well, that one's tough. I really like Killian Hayes. I mean, obviously, you know, they had Frank, who also came from overseas, and, and I, you can really miss. But Killian Hayes is, is really explosive. and really – I could see RJ and him both popping off an average in 20 points a season for years to come. So I think it would probably be a, a pretty good selection with Killian Hayes. Uh, I love Tyrese as well. You know, that's a tough one. I could definitely see Tyrese going at eight if they do take Patrick Williams, though. So at nine, they got the Washington Wizards pick. Uh, I, I think that uh, Patrick Williams is not going to go to Detroit, and I think the Wizards would be a great spot for him to go. Obviously, there's some er- uncertainty with uh, Wall and Beal and what they got going on. Obviously, Wall's been out a couple of seasons with injury. Not really sure what they're going to do, but uh, I like this fit, assuming Wall and Beal are there next season. Yeah, I mean, this this rumor that he's promised that seven to the Pistons is definitely kind of throwing a lot of people's draft boards off, and as well as ours, because there's a good chance he's not going to be here at nine. And like uh, Gary alluded to, John Wall and Bradley Beal, John Wall's coming back. People say he looks great, and, you know, I'm excited to hear it. I am curious what the Wizards are going to do, because I know there's a lot of talk about maybe shopping Bradley Beal uh, this offseason and coming into next season. It's going to be kind of like a wait to see to see if uh, – John Wall and Bradley Beal can kind of get back to that duo duo and play level that they're playing at. But, yeah, I think Patrick Williams is available here. Uh, he fits great alongside the two of them. And I think it would be really exciting to watch, especially in transition. I'll move on to number 10. I know we, we made this board for the Phoenix Suns before today's news of the trade. Uh, I had Isaac Okoro, 6'7", small forward from Auburn. Do you, do you think with the trades they made that that makes any difference? Yeah, we'll touch on the trades a little bit later. But, yeah, I think the trade kind of signifies what I had even more with Isaac Okoro, 6'6", uh, small forward out of Auburn. They traded away Kelly Oubre. This was a guy that kind of plays similar to Kelly. Now they have no Kelly. Bring him in. Pair him with uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker at the three. I think he's a talent to pair with both of them. Um, Obviously, coming into the draft, they're looking for their point guard of the future. You know, getting Chris Paul, that kind of that kind of puts them in a win-now mentality. And I think Isaiah Okoro can really come in and make a difference here for the Suns. Yeah, I definitely uh, sign in, signing Chris Paul puts them in that win-now mentality. And they showed with their young talent in the bubble that, that they can perform. And I really like the moves that they're making. Yeah, I think this, uh, Devin Booker and uh, Chris Paul tandem is going to be pretty exciting. They're both really passionate guys, really want to win. And like you saw this last season with OKC, Chris Paul can really will teams to uh, victories. Factual. 
So, yeah, let's go ahead and move over to the 11th pick. We have the San Antonio Spurs. DeMar DeRozan opted into his final year of the deal. That just came in today. I think they maybe look to move him, whether it's early in the season, preseason, towards the end before the deadline. I think they look to move DeMar DeRozan. And I think right here they draft their new shooting, Devin Vassell, out of FSU. He's very talented, could shoot the ball. I think he's a great uh, fit for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, I like it. This is definitely a team to watch this week to see, you know, if they do make any moves. I, I do know, like you alluded to, that DeMar did opt into his last season. Uh, obviously, Vassell, very talented out, out of Florida State. Um, I do know they had a couple young guys uh, coming up. Uh, I forget the man's name. He got hurt at the end of last season for the Spurs, and he missed some time. He was a good prospect for them. They were looking to move forward with future. Yeah, they have Deontay Murray. Um, uh, who's, the, who's the other guy? I mean, they got Bryn Forbes. The the Spurs. Here's the thing about the Spurs is, is they definitely know how to develop players. So I, I think whoever they take here at 11, I think you can count on a great player in the NBA. Maybe not a superstar. Who knows? But definitely a great role player in the NBA. Yeah, the Spurs definitely know how to get the most out of their players. Why don't we go to the most interesting pick? You at 12, the Sacramento Kings. Here we go. Vivek calls Tom. He hey goes, Vivek, how you doing? I'm doing good. We're sitting here at the number 12 pick, and we're not really sure who to go with. We know you're our most knowledgeable fan and our, and our biggest fan. Who who do we take here at 12, Tom? Well, my first advice to you, uh, Vivek, is to probably not have any sort of decision-making come through you. I'm just going to keep it a buck. You think Nick Stauskas <laughs> was the way to go? Nick Rooks? Yeah, I'm good off that. I think the Kings definitely need a backup point guard to back up De'Aaron Fox. We're focusing on a small forward. Obviously, I love Harrison Barnes. I think he's a great guy, a great player. I just don't know if he's really going to be the small forward of the future for the Kings. Uh, so when I think about that, I look at someone like City Gay, a uh, 6'8 small forward out of Villanova. Excellent three-point shooter to kind of put on the wing for De'Aaron. Adam with a buddy healed. A bog- um, you know, help space the floor for Marvin if he can stay healthy. I, I really like that pick. Uh, but someone I really like and I'm interested in is Jaden Daniels, 6'10 small forward out of Washington. Uh, he underperformed by UW. He's a five-star recruit coming into college. I really think he was just one of those guys that – that was ready for the NBA straight out of high school and goes into college and underperforms. I know Gilbert Arenas kind of talks about that a lot as there's some of these guys that are just so good and don't really fit the college scheme and are more ready for the NBA immediately. I think he's definitely one of those guys at 6'10 at the small forward spot. That's a huge bonus. I mean, if he really comes to his own, he could practically guard every position. I, I just really think this Jaden McDaniels pick would be really interesting and I would love to see the Kings take him at 12. I like it. I like it. How about some guys later on in the draft? Anyone that we're going to look at years down the line and say, man, that was such a great pick that, that someone. Yeah, so, I mean, another guy for the Kings that might be available there is Precious. Uh, you know, he's a very, very solid option, rising in a lot of people's draft boards. I think if he's available there, the Kings are probably going to be more likely to take him than Jaden just because of Jaden's uncertainties in college. But, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be like a guy like Roy that can come in and really ball out. And then two other guys I'd love to look at is Cole Anthony out of UNC. Also had a down year in his freshman year of college, but was a great high school player. Uh, another guy that's so explosive, shoot the ball, great off the dribble, great court vision. You know, he's a point guard that I can definitely see uh, being drafted towards the end of the lottery or the first round and, and play amazing basketball. And then finally, we got a guy like RJ Hampton. He actually went and played uh, in Australia alongside Lamelo. obviously a different team. But he's another guy, you know, great high school ball player fairly well in Australia and I think that I mean he's a little underdeveloped but I think you give him a one two three years in the league and I definitely think he could be uh, up there with the best guards in the NBA we'll definitely have to keep an eye on those three guys and see where they get drafted 
Yeah, so obviously there's a couple more NBA news that came out today. Um, Chris Paul traded to the Suns. I mean, who would have thought? I know there was a little bit of rumors coming around that they were both interested in each other, but I wasn't, I wasn't expecting the Suns to pull the trigger so quick, but they did. Uh, sending Kelly Oubre first-round pick um, and Ricky Rubio over to uh, the Thunder. It's a big move, man. It's a big move, and it definitely hurts us Kings fans because now this division just all the more tougher. Uh, Chris Paul is clearly a great player. And I'm really excited to honestly see what, what these Suns can do. Obviously, I'm a Kings fan, and I'd love to see the Kings win before the Suns. But the Suns are really putting together a solid roster. Yeah, I mean, if there's any other team outside of the Kings whose fan base deserves to see some wins, it's definitely the Suns. Uh, it was as fortunate as it was that they did go undefeated in the bubble, did all that they could, and it wasn't enough. Um, and, and I definitely think that's going to give them a lot of push moving forward. And then when you add Chris Paul, I mean, what he did with Thunder was, was phenomenal. He took a team who was a borderline team and, and really gave them that oomph and motivation and, and i think so chris paul can elevate everyone's game around him with just his maturity and the way he plays so it's gonna be nice to see i think every son's player is going to benefit from from chris paul being on their roster absolutely and even bigger news on Monday: james harden wants out of houston i mean just a couple days ago he said he was committed and you know i've heard rumors that houston doesn't care if they have to keep Harden and westbrook for the entirety of the year they they don't care i mean obviously it's just what these guys want uh, James Harden has kind of requested a trade, I guess, and, and he's got two destinations in mind, and it's Brooklyn and Philly. And, you know, I like honoring a guy like James Harden if, if I'm the Rockets and if there is a good package out there, take it. But, man, I don't want to see Harden on Brooklyn uh, or Philly for that matter. I, I really like this competitive uh, season that this last season was, and, and I'm enjoying it, and I like to see multiple contenders. And I think if you kind of send a guy like Harden to Brooklyn, I think that really stacks that team out. Uh, it's going to be definitely something to keep your eye on this offseason and even moving into early next season. I mean, hey, one nice spot is he's looking to move east as opposed to, you know, everyone wanting to move west. So so maybe this this brings down Houston and maybe, you know, gives Kings a little bit better chance of making the playoffs. But uh, I, I definitely agree. Brooklyn and Philly would be scary if he went there. Uh, I don't know what Harden's contract looks like if, if it's something where, uh, you know, as soon he could he could just sign somewhere else. That might force Houston to want to trade and at least get some value back for him rather than just letting him go for nothing. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out on, on Harden and Houston, what they're going to do. Yeah, and then finally, one more trade that became official or is on its way to becoming official is Dennis Schroeder to the L.A. Lakers uh, for Danny Green and a first-round pick. This one hurts me, man. I, if you've listened to the pod, you know how much I love Dennis Schroeder and how much I wanted to see him in a Kings uniform, and it looks like I'm going to have to wait uh, another year at least. Yeah, uh, I know during the playoffs you're talking about, you know, this is the missing piece for the Kings. This is the missing piece for the Kings. Uh, and, I mean, he balled out, you know, all the power to him. He's definitely going to earn whatever contract, whatever whatever he's getting. Um, it, it is unfortunate. I am kind of curious. You know, I'm a big Rondo fan. I'm assuming this means that Rondo's out of L.A., uh, but I definitely think a guy like Dennis is going to provide, you know, all that L.A. needs from the point guard position. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if Rondo decides to opt in or opt out. I know his contract's looking something like fifth and if he thinks he can get more elsewhere, I definitely expect him to opt out with this trade. You think so? You think he'd opt out for more money rather than stay in L.A. where he maybe went third ring? Uh, I think with this trade, I think that definitely puts it in kind of perspective. Obviously, Dennis Schroeder is going to be taking away a lot of playing time for him. So. Fair enough, fair enough. Why don't we, why don't we bounce on over week 10 of the NFL? How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Why don't we start with a, a game that was a household bet between you and Thomas, the Colts whooping up on the Titans in about the AFC South. Which which team did you have again in this bet? Yeah, I definitely think the Titans are the better team, but I just had this weird feeling coming in the Thursday night. 
uh, bet Thomas on the Colts. Uh, Colts ended up taking the W, so I was able to take some of uh, some money from Tom. That's always a good thing. Yeah, surprise, you know, week in and week out, anyone who listens to Pod here, you just rant and rave about Tannehill and you bet against him. I mean, obviously, Tannehill didn't perform very well with only 147 yards and one TD. I, I was surprised to hear that you made the bet against the Titans. Um, you know, pretty interesting game. We were watching it. It was 17-13 at half Tennessee was up, and then our, our stream froze, and we came back like 20 minutes later, and all of a sudden the Colts are up like 14 points. It was a very interesting second half to see from the Titans. Yeah, man, I you know I love Tannehill. This Colts team is the number one defense in the NFL. And for some reason, these Thursday night games, they just hit different. And I just was high on the defense of the Colts, and I thought they were definitely going to, you know, hold them off, and that's what they did. But, yeah, you're right. We did uh, turn off the stream for a little bit, came back, and it was a two- or three-possession game. That was definitely nutty to see. And I think the Titans are still the better team out of this division. But uh, I think this game will definitely hold some value moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't recall if they do play each other one more time. Obviously, with the Week 10, there's still a pretty good chance. Uh, it. Oh, there we go. They week we, we got it down. They meet week twelve at Indianapolis. I, I agree with you that the Titans are the better team, and I think they will win the AFC South. Uh, but a good win for the Colts, something they can rally behind, and just in two weeks turn around, they'll be playing uh, the Titans again. Absolutely. So uh, looking ahead to another game, we had a thriller thriller in Arizona as the Cardinals beat the Bills on the final play, a killer hail mary to DeAndre Hopkins. You know that this game was nuts. Uh, Josh Allen kind of was trying to lead a uh, game-winning drive down the field multiple times throughout the fourth quarter. Couldn't get it done until the final one where he's able to get Stephon Diggs in the end zone with less than a minute left uh, to by four. <laughs> I thought it was over. Um, crazily or not, it was not. Uh, Kyler Murray was able, was able to roll out on the final play of the game and hug a 46-yard bomb to a triple-covered DeAndre Hopkins who was able to come down with it for the win. And, you know, this speaks volumes of what I've been saying all season long. DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. You're telling me no drop hop mossed three people to win the game? Yeah, it was pretty impressive. I don't know. You've, you've had, everyone's had to have seen it by now everywhere, but it was quite the play. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to argue uh, against Hopkins. You know, definitely top three arguable, uh, and it's very solid to be able to put him at number one. Uh, speaking about a guy that I that I really, really like, it's Kyler Murray. I know you were on the Kyler bandwagon before I was, and just seeing the numbers and what he's been able to do, threw for 245 and a touchdown and then ran for two more. The guy's the ultimate double threat. I'm totally on board with you. Whatever seat you got on the train, you know, put, put me right next to you. I'm all in on Kyler Murray and the future that he's going to lead for Arizona. Yeah, this Arizona team is getting scarier and scarier every single week, and it's definitely interesting to watch him grow into his own. Uh, I think the Cardinals team is now – the division leader, and I honestly see them beating out the Seahawks uh, to take – obviously, they play on Thursday. That's going to be a huge game. But I'm really high on this Cardinals team. I think they got a great defense. And this duo between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins is super impressive to watch, and I think they're just on the rise and are going to continue this train going moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that Cardinals-Seahawks game we thought was going to be the game of the year. Still might be. Uh, Cardinals got the dub, so definitely if they can win this third They'll put them, uh, you know, a game up and then, and then with a the tiebreaker. They are the third best team right now in the NFC at six and three behind the set to Green Bay Packers and seven and two New Orleans Saints. Do you think uh, that they, they can make a deep run in, in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, if we're just basing it off of records, I'm honestly taking the Cardinals right now over Green Bay and now Drew Brees out in New Orleans. I'm probably taking them over both those teams. 
Uh, Drew Brees came out today, multiple broken ribs, uh, collapsed lung. He's busted up, and obviously now you got to decide who you're going to throw in over there. So I think this this Cardinals team is definitely a legit contender moving into the playoffs. I'd love to see what they can do. Yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I, I definitely think New Orleans is definitely going to drop down a peg. Don't know how much time Brees is going to miss. I don't know if I'm if I'm far enough on the bandwagon to say that I think that they're the best team in the NFC. Uh, I definitely think that they are, are going to do some crazy things in the playoffs. I, I see him winning at least a game, maybe a couple. Um, I really like Kyler and what he's got going on. Yeah, so something to look at today, man. You got the NBA draft and you got the rematch of the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. So definitely get to your TVs and tune in because these are going to be two interesting things to watch on Thursday night. I agree. I agree. Why don't we move in when we're talking about New Orleans? Let's talk about the rivals. Bucks and Brady bounce back getting trounced by New Orleans. Uh, obviously, Brady, I think, threw what was it, three picks last week against New Orleans. Bounce back this week for three TDs, no picks, rushing touchdown. You know, I, I never know what to expect from the Bucks week in and week out. Obviously, we know how many wins they have. One week they get blown out, the next week they, they blow a team out. What do you see from, from the Bucs and what do you like? Or yeah, don't like? so I think this inconsistency kind of stems from this is Tom Brady's first season away from really the staple of consistency in uh, New England. Obviously, you're seeing that New England's also suffering with consistency. So I think the, the separation of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady is definitely showing for both teams. I definitely would put my money on Tom Brady and the Bucs as far as which team is the least or the most consistently better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird to see them with all these weapons struggle at times. They definitely have the weapons and with an experienced guy like Brady, who's won so many championships, I think moving into the playoffs, you definitely can't take this Bucks off your radar. Yeah, obviously it's, it's not the Brady of old, uh, as far as being with Bill, but I, but I agree you can never count out Brady. And especially, I mean, this is by far the best offense he's had as far as just going down the list of weapons he has. Being about a weapon, uh, obviously, you know, we've talked about off-stream Leonard Fournette. What was your thoughts on Ronald Jones Jr. balling out, and how do you think that affects Leonard? Yeah, I mean, obviously he had that 98-yard touchdown. I, I still think Leonard Fournette is the better running back, and I think most people in the Bucks organization agree. But this is Ronald Jones' spot to lose, and currently if he's going to continue to run like this, he ran for 192 yards this week. It's going to be a hard spot to give away, but I honestly think you kind of come into these later weeks – and even the playoffs, and I think Leonard Fournette definitely sees a slight majority of these touches. So speaking about running backs on the other side of the ball, Carolina, man, they've been really, really hurting without CMC. Obviously, at this point with their record, their season's basically over. You know, it's definitely tough to see uh, with, with the addition of Bridgewater and CMC, really looking forward to seeing what they could do. Uh, what's your thoughts? You know, think they got any chance of doing anything positive for the rest of their season? Yeah, so CMC came back last week and then got re-injured and missed this week. To me, at this point, the season does seem to be over. I wouldn't mind kind of just sitting CMC, letting him get healthy uh, for next season. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater also got a little banged up towards the end of this game. I think the, the Carolina Panthers season is definitely over. I think what they need to focus on now is moving forward because they definitely have a lot of talented guys. And they just need to figure it out uh, for next season. Yeah, and obviously the first year of Matt Rule as head coach, first time he's been in the NFL, obviously done great things at Temple and Baylor. Uh, part of me would like to see them, you know, get a little bit of momentum at the end of this season, but uh, I, I could see them kind of just closing up shop and just know, hey, you know, we're just moving forward to next year. We want to keep all our pieces healthy and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, hop over to the next game. It's a pretty ugly game between the uh, Seahawks and the Rams. 
Your guy, Russell Wilson, struggled through two picks, no touchdowns. Yeah, it was rough. That, it was definitely an ugly game to watch. It just, they could really not get a single thing going. Yeah, obviously, um, with no Carson really hurts Seattle. The running backs combined for a total of 53 yards. Uh, it's definitely hard when, when you're so one-dimensional, when you're losing your, your starting running back, um, and, and Russell didn't do him any favors. Uh, another guy obviously I've been really high on is – uh, DK Metcalf and man might as well not have been out there with his stat line. Definitely, definitely hard to watch uh, as far as a fantasy owner. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting game. Seahawks are looking a little shaky after their uh, amazing start. It uh, really opens up the door for the Rams and the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, one thing to look at with the DK Metcalf matchup is he was playing against Jalen Ramsey who, you know, just practically shut him out all game long. It was almost – I had even sometimes had to check in just to see if he was even on the field, DK Metcalf, because like you alluded to, his stat line was horrendous. But, yeah, this, the Seahawks are definitely struggling. They have the worst defense in the NFL, and that's kind of why it's leading me to, to really pick the Cardinals to move past them in this division. Uh, obviously, it's Russell Wilson. He could do some magical things. So it's not over quite yet, but they definitely need to figure something out on the defense in that side of the ball. Yeah, and, and I mean, as far as this division, there is still a lot of interdivision games to be played. Seattle plays uh, Arizona, LA, and San Francisco. Rams play San Francisco, Seattle, and Arizona twice. Obviously, San Francisco's kind of taken a drop down, losing Jimmy G. Uh, but I think with so many games left, this is going to be the most interesting division to watch moving into the playoffs. Absolutely. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. And uh, one last thing. I wanted to cover, you know me, big golf fan. The Masters was this weekend, usually in April, but with COVID, it got moved to this week. My guy, Dustin Johnson, wins the Masters. If anyone knows the history of Dustin Johnson, he had a four-shot lead going into Sunday. And four times in majors, he's had a lead or a tie lead, and he's blown it every single time. So it was nice to see him shot four under 68 to finish at 20 under. He won by five, and I believe that is for the lowest uh, tournament at the Masters. And, uh, you know, luckily for him, he gets to take home the coveted green jacket and just under $2.1 million for like six days of work. How's that sound to you? Yeah, you know, it makes me think I should go pick up a golf club or something. I don't know. But uh, just some quick Tiger talk. Um, there was a hole three in his final round where he actually shot 10 over par on the hole. Or no, 10, he shot a 10 Ten, yeah. on the hole, seven over par in one hole. Uh, you know, he hit the ball in the water three times. I uh, was in the bunker twice. It was definitely an ugly show from Tiger this week. And obviously we had some hope coming into the weekend because he did a pretty good first round on Thursday. Uh, but, you know, Tiger's at its best – or golf is at its best when Tiger's at his best. So I really Agreed. hope that he can kind of turn around moving forward. Yeah, obviously this being being this late in, into November, you know, it's a little bit colder out. Everyone kind of knows the issue he had with his back. Uh, watched some of the highlights and he looked like, like a 75-year-old man trying to pick up the ball. I, I wonder how much – uh, just the temperature with his back is, and, and they played uh, with it being November and how many guys out there, they had a lot of, uh, couldn't finish around one day, had to get up super early the next day and play. And I think between the wear and tear and the temperature really had an effect on him. And that's why he unfortunately didn't play as well into the weekend. So uh, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you all so much for listening until next time. One love.